Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dan Lanning is a riverboat gambler, and that proved costly in Seattle, where the Ducks lost 36-33 at the Huskies. But were his failed fourth down decisions all that egregious? We will talk about that and much more on the Oregonian Sports Podcast. I am Aaron Fentress of the Oregonian Oregon Line. I'm joined by Coin Six's Brenna Green, who was there at Husky Stadium. Mm-hmm. I saw a video of you driving up there bright and early. You must, you must have left at like 6 a.m., right? I left my place at 6:45 in the morning and then and yeah we met up in uh in Vancouver my my photographer and I met up in Vancouver to head to head to Seattle at 7 a.m. so you know it was a it was a casual 16 hour day that day but Yeah, what time did you get home? I think it was 10, but I still like once I got home needed to do other things. Yeah. You know. Work it all just kind of adds up like you got to watch the beaver post game sound. You mm. got to watch the Blazers sound. Like I got to watch. I mean, you ain't gotta. I mean, <laughs> gotta. But he's like, he's like, it's preseason. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I get it. But I'd, I'd rather just get it done with, you know, and like yeah. have it, have it kind of off my chest. And then like, you know, I watched highlights of the Beavers game, and you know, I watched the. I watched the Beavers post game and I'm like, oh, there's a really good soundbite in there. I got to pick out and post that on social. And it just all like <laughs> spirals. And you're like, it's 1130. Um, but I hear you. I don't, I don't, I don't hate that. Obviously I don't hate it. Like that's, you know, that's, this is why you got into the biz, right? Yeah. So, so, you know, before we get into the nitty gritty of this and mm-hmm. go over the fourth down decisions, just Let's just talk about how amazing that football game was. Oh it gosh. absolutely lived up to the hype. It had everything, including a, a a run where the Huskies took control, but then the Ducks came back and seemingly took control. Like it just, it was just a well played, very interesting, uh, con- contrasting styles. And, and although there was a lot of offense. There was still some good defense mm-hmm. played, yeah. and the offense was generated mm-hmm. not because of bad top. crappy, not, yeah, not because of bad crappy defense and guys mm-hmm. just being absolutely uncovered and wide open and you know stuff like that, but because the offense was so good, they were making plays against pretty good defense. So in, in the atmosphere, I mean, I watched on TV. I've been up there obviously for many games, but you were there mm-hmm. uh, where you fit. You know, you, the electricity is different when you're there. Just. Yeah. Talk about just the experience of covering a game like that. And, we, yeah. you know, when you cover as many sporting events as we do, you cover a lot of duds. Right? <laughs> you cover a lot of events that either don't live up to the hype or just have no chance of being any good. 
Uh, and this is one of those gems that comes along that you're just like, wow. Uh, so yeah, so take it away. What was it like? I have no shame in admitting that uh, by the end of the first quarter in the Portland State Oregon game, I was absolutely <laughs> online shopping. Um, just been there. Like, like, I'm like, all right, I'm out. Like, <laughs> game's over. I'm gonna go look at some earrings online. Thank you. Um, <laughs> everything got done that needed to get done. Um, <laughs> Been there, man. It was crazy. Like, I mean, first of all, when Oregon took the field for their first down or for their first offensive possession, oh no, UW, when they took the field for their first offensive possession, it was so loud in there, not from UW fans, but from Oregon fans. Like, I was originally like confused. I was like, am I Mm -hmm. looking at this wrong? Like, UW's on offense. And then Oregon went in on offense and literally the press box was shaking like Mm. it was it was intense um so yeah it it was it was a great great game to be at um definitely one of those ones that you're always gonna remember and boy oh boy i think at this point if you're the pac-12 you are rooting for that to be your championship game everybody else has cracks Maybe, but uh, OSU, maybe not. Maybe not. Um, but, I mean, you know, Utah, you don't They've know already cracked. What are you talking about? They've already cracked I know, one. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Um, I mean, Utah, you don't know when Cam Rising's coming back. USC is obviously a dumpster fire right now. Okay, that seems a little, that's maybe a little bit intense, but it's a, it's a, it's at cluster level at the very least, okay? And mm-hmm. um, and so, you know, you just got, I, I really do think that, that those two teams really prove that they are the class of the conference this year in that game, and we can only hope to see that matchup again because, I think that would be um, that would be something else, and boy, would that be a lot of fun to be at in Vegas. So uh, I am, I am very much, you know, I. It's not me like rooting against one team or another, but I'm rooting for a good game at the end of the day at that Pac-12 championship game, and I'm rooting for a game that gets me there. Um, so that means either <laughs> Oregon or Oregon State has to be there, and then right. I'm not gonna lie, I'm rooting for whatever team it is that makes it there to win because guess what i would like to spend my birthday because i think whoever wins that game is going to be in the college football playoff i would be shocked if pac-12 doesn't have a representative this year and in that situation boy oh boy do i hope that the pac-12 champion gets sent to one rose bowl in pasadena because Mm. i would like to spend my birthday in pasadena california Thank you very much. That's what I would like. Much better than spending my birthday at El Paso at the Sun Bowl a few years ago. Okay. Um, (laughs) If you followed me for a while, you may have known the absolute disaster that was that story. I turned 30 sitting on the floor of a airport car rental uh, place after our tire got popped. It, there was a lot of other things that happened, and that was that was the worst work trip of all time. But anyways, uh, just I mean, one thing after another. I mean, you want to you want to name the problem? We probably had it. Um, but anyways, so you know that's just that's just the reality of the situation. I would like to spend my birthday in Pasadena. Thank you very much. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think those two teams are just 
They really are um, special right now. They both have special mindsets, and uh, I think that um, it would be great to see them meet up again in a neutral location. Washington's two most two scariest opponents would be at USC, at Oregon State. Those yep. definitely could could be losses. And then, of course, Oregon hosts Oregon State and USC. They have to go to Utah, which you know you would think on the surface they should be able to win that game at Utah's defense. It's pretty yep. damn good, but as of right now, I would expect Oregon to win. But it, you also have to wait and sort of wonder when's the upset coming because they I usually know. come, you know. And Oregon has a I history know. of that of mm-hmm. that upset loss that costs them a, a chance at something bigger. So it's possible these two could meet again, but I gotta just wait and see it play out because there's yeah. just so many things that could happen. But oh, yes, there's it would so be, many. Factors. It would be ama- an amazing if they both run the table from here on out and get there. With you know twelve and zero against eleven and one, the winner would just have one loss, and you know the Huskies win. They're clearly going to be in the in the playoffs. The Ducks, as of right now, would need a little help because there's seven undefeated teams, I think. But yeah, there's matchups between those teams. You know, especially Penn State plays Ohio State this week. Ohio State and Michigan still have to play, and then you have the conference championship game as well. So losses could pile up. Who knows what happens with Oklahoma? Georgia might win out or could stumble. Alabama still creeping out there. But, you know, I, I still think a one-loss team will get in, especially if that one loss was at Washington and then you beat yeah. Washington. Yeah. You know, so you it would take four undefeated teams to keep you out. And, and you know, they all have teams on their schedule that can beat them. It's very – I can't remember the last time there was ever four undefeated teams at the end of the season. Has that ever happened? I don't recall that being not a thing. Power, but, power five. I don't, I don't Yeah, not in power happening. five, yeah. So, anyway, it could happen. But, yeah, just – Great, great theater. It's just a fun football game to watch. You know, I've I think I've covered like 150 duck games in my life, and I'm kind of over it. Um, but there's only a, there's only been a few times in the last few years when I wasn't covering them where I was like, oh, I wish I was at that game. That was Ohio State, and then this one, yeah. where it was like it would have been worth the travel to go to go do it. At the same time, I liked being on my couch and watching. It. <laughs> Get that not well. having to make that, not having to make that drive back. But then my mm-hmm. punishment was watching the Blazers play another preseason game. Anyway, let's move that on. That is now. a punishment. <laughs> Pre- no preseason Blazers, basketball, preseason, regardless of who is playing, yeah, is a just, punishment. Yeah, it's just it's just tough. Anyway, all right. So let's get down to the story of the game. So my prediction was 37-34 Huskies, and what I said on Talking Ducks and other places was that. It was a pick'em game for me. I'm, I'm going with the home team just because it's a pick'em game, and that it's just going to come down to some stuff. And all this talking about X's and O's and matchups and all that kind of thing, none of that's going to matter in the end. It's going to come down to just some things that happen. Yep. <laughs> and the things that happened in this game were primarily the fourth down decisions by Oregon. Now the Huskies had one too when yep. they went for it on fourth and goal, um, <clears throat> and of course then you have, you have the missed field goal at the end, which you know it's it's kind of ironic that fans wanted so badly for them to kick those other field goals and then they missed one to tie but it was longer than the other ones would have yeah, been I was anyway say, a little bit yeah, different longer, in terms of the yardage still, you know still you got to come through there camden lewis uh yeah. but okay let's talk about the fourth downs because people are freaking out about it and it's just a fascinating discussion because you know dan lenny said it himself if we get a touchdown we're not talking about it nope. and people loved him when he was gambling the onside kick at ucla last year some other things he's done it's like had he had they scored two touchdowns both of those times Right, and mm-hmm. then he's 
Genius Dan Lanning. Oh, my God. We're glad he's our coach. He's such a better game manager than Mario. And that's another thing. People need to stop talking trash about Mario Cristobal and his game management at Oregon because your boy, Dan Lanning, the replacement that you guys all deem to be far greater than Mario, even though he'd never been head coach before, has cost, you know, some, some, some costly moments with his yep. decision making. That said, I do think the belly aching is overblown in, in some of these cases. Uh, and I'm going to start with the second fourth down fourth and goal they went for mm-hmm. and the reason why i think that one's overblown is because when okay. you make that decision that deep in someone's territory part of the calculation is that if you fail you've got them pinned inside the five or the ten yes and then you have a high probability you have a low probability of them driving out there and scoring now oregon had a 90 plus yard drive so it does happen but that's part of the equation and what happened was you got three and out punted you took over at, at the 50 around the 50 and then you scored a touchdown so what people are saying is well we could have had that touchdown and the field goal well not necessarily no. because if you kick the yeah, field goal different. then you got to kick off now washington starts at least 2025 yep. and there's a good chance they're going to move the ball at least in the position to pin you deep with the punt or maybe they go down and get some points so you can't you can't count the field goal when you got a touchdown just plays later because in part of the field position set up by missing the field goal, right? Now, however, the first time they went for it, you didn't have that factor because when you failed, you went to half. So you had no chance to benefit from pinning Washington inside the five and maybe getting the ball back with a chance to score. To me, that one is like, it's free points. You got to pick. The receiver fell. You got to pick. You're in field goal range. It's it's a free three points. Just take it. (laughs) Just take the three points. So – that one I would criticize more, but it all comes down to the philosophy of do you you go for it and gamble and try and get that touchdown? And if you do, it looks great. If you don't, you just live with the consequences. Or do you do, you know, what most people would do in the history of football and you, you would take the field goal? I personally, and I've coached some football in my life, I'm taking the field goal. That's just my personality in those situations. Unless I'm way better than the other team and I feel like my chances of getting that fourth down are really, really high as opposed to in this game where you have a pretty evenly matched situation. Okay, so now, okay, before we get to the other one, give me your opinion on just the field goals themselves and tap passing on them before we get to the other fourth down. Yeah. I'm going to uh, talk forever here. So, you know, my, my big issue with not going for it on that first field goal was that – Or not taking the field goal. Not taking the field goal, yeah. yes. Sorry. Um, yeah. Not taking the field goal is that you kick that field goal, you make it 22-21 going into the half. Oregon right. had the ball coming out of the half. Right. So then, in an ideal world, if you're thinking about this, and this did not happen, but in an, this is what I would have been thinking if I were the head coach in this situation. And I understand math is hard, especially in those moments. However, um, you get the ball coming out of the half. Well, you can march right down the field. You know, hopefully you can march down the field, get another touchdown, and then you can go for the two-point conversion, put yourself up seven. So you're putting yourself in a really good spot in terms of that. At the very least, you're hopeful that your team is going to go down and get you close enough into field goal range, and you're going to be able to take the lead back. Right. So th- there was just too many... There, it just didn't make any sense to me. It's like I literally I saw Lanning like wave Camden off, and my my stomach just went whoop, 
Like, I was like, no, 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 no. Bad, bad, Dan. Bad, bad, bad. <laughs> like, I was like, he should be taking this field goal right now. Because as you said, you can't flip the field. Like, there's there was just no. And then Lanning admitted it game. He was like, yeah, that probably wasn't great. Um, You know, and then I I felt like the second one, I'm like, at this point, like, just take the points. You need something to kind of get you going. And they ended up obviously getting themselves going down the down the line, so it worked out okay. But I, you know, at that point in the game, it was just like you just need to take some points to stay in this thing. Now it, it was twenty nine eighteen, right? I believe so. Yes. Okay. So then, so you're putting yourself in a position where you could, you know, like I said, get a one possession game, twenty nine twenty one. Yeah. Exactly. So that was just both of those decisions just didn't sit right with me, especially when you're in a hostile road environment, like you got to take your points. And I know sometimes it's annoying. Cause you're like, Oh, the other team's scoring touchdowns, you know, whatever, but you know, Oregon's offense ended up, ended up working out. Now I understand you don't know that in the moment when you're taking the, when you're trying to decide whether or not you're going to take those field goals and Oregon's offense had kind of been, kind of dink and donking its way down the field at that point. Mm-hmm. And then, then they got it together. They decided to to wake up and I was like, Oh God, yes. Bo Nix, uh, <laughs> Bo Nix remembers Troy Franklin exists. All right, we got it. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I just, I just felt like he needed to take the points in both of those situations, especially I felt like the second one, because at that point you just couldn't go over two and not get, any points on two possessions in the red zone. But I also thought that the first one was bad as well, because like you said, you can't flip field position and it sets you up really nicely for the start of the second half. So I was not a fan of either of those decisions. And I love it when coaches are aggressive. I think it's great. I think it's awesome. I think we need more of that in the game, but I just felt like in those two instances, it wasn't the right call overall for the team. Now, do we want to move on to the other fourth down call? Well, I want to make one more point here. Um, So what gets me about it, so in the last five or six years, there's been all these analytics and things about going for it versus not going for it, and people come up with all these numbers and these uh, extra expected points added per something or whatever goes up if you go for it or whatever. And, I, and when I was at the athletic, I had many debates with people there about this. None of them had ever played football or coached football in their life. Not that you have to have done that to have an opinion on this, but I kept telling them that what you're missing in these numbers are the situations that you're in in the matchup. They can't just be blanket. The chart says if you do this, you'll score six points per, per, per possession versus yeah. this. Because it doesn't. if you go for it on fourth down against a team you're beating by 30 and you get an extra touchdown out of it, that, that means nothing. You didn't need no. those touchdowns. When you're playing against a good team and it's a tight game, then the chances of you're, you succeeding fall dramatically because you're playing against a good team. And it's probably a close game, and you need those, you're going to need those points. The, the other problem here is it's unrealistic for Lanning to have believed he was going to get both. If, if, if his goal was we can down, down inside the 10 and it's fourth down, I'm going for it no matter what. And so you're saying that if I get at least one of the two, that equals getting two field goals. Actually, you get more, you get one more point, right? Seven versus six. But you're not, you can't, 
bank on getting both, which would be the desired bonanza. Because now you got 14 instead of six. That's an extra eight. So my thing is, if it's unrealistic to get both, that means best case scenario really is just to get one. So why am I risking six, almost a guaranteed six that close, just to get one extra point? Yeah. When I put myself also in a position to get zero, which is what happened in a game that could come down to basically being a, a field goal game. And yeah. so that's where I have a problem with the math and mentality on that and with the whole movement of doing this in general is because, yeah, it's easy to do when you're a superior team and when you're going to win by 30. Oh, look, instead of winning by 30, we win by 38 because we went forward on fourth and goal as opposed to you need those points and they needed those points. Like they obviously lost by three. They could have used those six points. Um, anyway, okay, so now we can move on to the punt. Let's start with you. To the fourth, this is the last punt on fourth and goal. Excuse me, damn it, I can't get straight. The, there's so many fourth downs. The final fourth down that they went for it on instead of punting. Brenna, go. <laughs> I have no problem with them going for it on that fourth down. Why? Um, I think th- because if they if they convert that fourth down, the game is over. It it's is done. over. Exactly. So, you know what? I, I like someone who plays for the game in that situation, you know, and thinks, okay, I think our, you know, I, I like our odds here. Um, and I, you know, I, I did, I guess something went wrong on the third down beforehand and there was a check that didn't get put in correctly. And that's why they lost yardage on that third down. Um, but you know, like I, I, I liked it. I thought it was, I, I I had no problems with it, and um, yeah, I I don't think that that is uh, I don't think that is uh, agreed. I, you know, like I said, I appreciate someone who's aggressive, and in that situation, I appreciate like like, and it, it did in a way like kind of work out because you know, obviously, yes, UW did march down the field, but UW also gave Oregon plenty of time. To win that right. thing. Right. So, and that's, and that's part of the equation in it too. Yep. So you're, I 100% agree. Now, again, me personally, I probably punt it, but that doesn't mean I think it's horrible what they did because the, it, it's literally, you need three yards to win the game. Yep. As opposed to giving Penix the ball. Now, the argument is pin him deep, put your defense out there, and try and stop them, but they only need a field goal to tie, right? Right? I don't know. They needed a no, touchdown. No, they're a force. They're a force. Sorry. They needed a touchdown. Yeah, yeah okay. Four. So they needed a touchdown. So you you put yourself in a position where you're, you're giving the best player in the stadium a chance with the best receiving court in America to come at you. And it's, it's going to be a long field, probably, if you have a good punt. <clears throat> they do need a touchdown. So for me, I'm probably going to just roll with that and hope I can stop them. And if they drive the length of the field on me and beat me, congratulations, you won the game. That, I think that's just more my personality. Yep. Especially in a situation where you're playing a, an equal opponent. That said, it, if you go for it and you get it, you win. If you don't, they have the ball in good field position. So they're there's a probability where if that they're going to score, they might score with enough time where you have a chance to answer and you only need a field goal to tie. Now, again, you know, a team can milk the clock. You know, Washington could have done that. 
and then you end up just losing on a touchdown in the last 30 seconds, that's possible too. But at the end of the day, it all comes back to three yards. Can I gain three yards? I'm averaging six yards a play. You know, can I gain three? Um, and I just, you know, me personally, I think I would punt, but I don't have a problem, like you said, with them going for that situation. What I did have a problem with Ooh. is how when you need just, just three yards, there was a one receiver. When I watched it the first time, I'm like, did one receiver run a three-yard route? It looked like they all went downfield. Maybe I need to double check. But when they showed it from, from Nix's angle, they were all intermediate routes. And I'm just like, what? So you ran everyone intermediate? Not one guy ran a shallow drag or something in the flat or a slant, a, a quick hitch or anything? So you had someone to go to if those deeper routes were covered. Because the whole point of deeper routes in that situation would be to open up underneath and they cover underneath you go over the top of them, not just send everyone intermediate. Anyway, I need to look at it again because maybe I just missed somebody. But that's what I remember. So that's what I didn't like was the call. But going for it, I, I can totally accept and live with that. Yeah. Um, I was down on the field at that point. So my vantage uh, point of what all transpired on that play wasn't exactly ideal. And I, I, I'm going to call it up while you talk. Actually, I don't think I've actually like with with all the chaos, like went back and actually watched it because, you know, you know how it is after a game. Those oh, listening yeah. to us might not, but it's, you know, it's chaos. And then also, I mean, woo. Um, U-dubs visiting press, whatever you want to go press conference area, uh, whatever oh, you want to call it. Horrible. I've had I've had two uh I've I, I will say though, I'm two for two on iconic quotes in the UW press, whatever you want to call it. Last time I was there was when Mike Leach lost the Apple Cup and called a journalist at the spokesman review a sanctimonious troll. Oh yeah, I remember that. And, and this time we got Bo Nix's uh, you know, soliloquy. So, you know, I, I don't know what it is about that room, but but or it's not room. It's like literally in the loading dock. That's what it is. It is in the loading dock with some curtains around it in case anybody. So it's and it's not it's not super big. Let's put it this way. No chair was empty in that press conference. <laughs> um. So, yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I mean. All right, I got the play. I yeah. understand what you're saying. So they, they ran. Yeah, I pulled it up. Okay. And I, I wasn't wrong. So. Okay. What are they doing? I did oh, see, yeah. I did see something that Troy Franklin was apparently wide open. Yeah, that's a lie. Okay. Wait, let me make sure I got Troy Franklin here. Okay. So one receiver ends up at 11 yards. Another one ends up right behind him at 13, which makes no sense. You have two receivers nope. within two yards of each other in the exact same area. So someone ran the wrong route, I think, on that. Franklin was at the top of the screen. He ran a deep drag, which we used to call a spurt back in the day. He's covered. He's not wide open. Um, no one was open, and two receivers were in the same area. So I don't know if one of these guys, if the outside receiver here was supposed to run to the flat and be shallow so that you open up the guy behind him, or if the guy behind him is covered, he's open on the shallow cross. But <clears throat> the tight end was off the ball. He stayed in and blocked on the play. So you only had three receivers in the route, which is also interesting because the back stayed in and you rolled out to it and no one ran. Yeah, it's just a bad play call. I'm just saying right now. I know I don't coach in the Pac-12, but I guarantee you I have about 10 plays better than that 
for that situation that I've called in my life. And that was just, just a horribly, like, either horribly, desi horribly designed play or horribly executed play. It made no sense. Regardless, mm -hmm. I don't have a problem with them necessarily going for it there. All right. We've beaten that to death. Good job. Yes, we have. <laughs> we've, got, we've gotten a bunch of content out of fourth down. That's for Dan. Yeah. Sure. So now the question is moving forward. Should Dan Lanning change his ways or just grow with it? Because the odds are going to come back in your favor at some point. He's going to have a game where you do go for it and it works you know, more, more often than not. So should he change his ways or just keep being who he is? I mean, I think that there's a happy medium here, you know? I think there's a way to still, I mean, you know, you and I said, you and I just said, we liked one of the fourth down calls. We didn't like two of the other ones. So, you know, it's not like a situation where, where we're both sitting here saying, absolutely do not go for it on fourth down, you know? Or you know, they start the game with a two-point conversion. Like, that's pretty gutsy, you know? And it, it works He's done that a him. few times this year. Yes, he likes yeah. doing that. And it's, by the way, worked out like every time. Yep. Um, so, you know, I'll give him that. Like, I don't think that you have to necessarily, like, be like, oh, you got to revert to being completely conservative and, you know, like uh, traditional in the sense of football. I think there's right. a I think there's a good happy medium. I just think that maybe maybe he took it a little too far this game. And so, right. you know, you just got to rein it back in. Maybe you don't go for it on fourth and three two times on the opposing team's three yard line. Um, maybe you only go for it once, you know. That's one was on the, one was on a nine, right? No, the they were one. both fourth and three. I thought, unless I'm crazy. The the final fourth down was fourth and three. I think the yes. I think the uh, the second time they went for the touchdown, I thought it was on the nine. Yeah, sorry, sorry. It was fourth. You're right. It was fourth and three for a first down, not fourth and goal from the three. Okay, that's yeah. Yeah, you're right. It was fourth and three, but they wouldn't. They could have gotten the first down without scoring. So my bad. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, they, they uh, left over at the nine. I was stuck on that in my head. So yeah. So we agree. Wow. Good job. Yeah. So uh so yeah, I think <laughs> so there's I, I I just think he needs to change being like, like he needs to maybe dial it back a little bit. Yeah, you not know, all the way. Dial it back a little bit. Because like I said, the odds of you getting in both of those are not good. Why risk six to get at best one extra point? Um and, and, you know, and sometimes you just have to concede the drive. Like, <clears throat> if a team forces you in the fourth down, they're doing a good job against you. So maybe you just <laughs> just say, you know what? They're doing a good job. Let's just take these three points and, 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 and go play some defense. All right. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see if he does. I, my, my hunch is he's probably just going to keep being a riverboat gambler unless Phil Knight gives him a call. Okay. Before we get to the Blazers, let's talk to Oregon State. You know, everyone everyone wants to see, you know, Ducks Washington rematch, but the Beavs are going to have something to say about this. I think they play yeah. them both. They host the Huskies. They play at the Ducks. You know, they're not scared to go down the street to Austin. They got a quarterback who's throwing laser beams. He's on pace for about forty touchdowns. On pace for about thirty five hundred yards of total offense or so. Which, you know, that's that's winning football. Um, they did have the setback at Washington State, but, you know, they took down Utah, just took down UCLA. Um, you know, I know you couldn't really watch the game because you were working at a big game. I watched a lot of the UCLA game. They got a young quarterback who was just coughing up interceptions. 
like a young quarterback sometimes does. Former Oregon but, commit. Yes. Yeah, former former Oregon commit who didn't want to sit behind Nick Nick's maybe or maybe just got more money. Who knows? Who cares anymore? It doesn't matter. He'll probably come back to Oregon next year. Anyway, um, <laughs> what do you think? I mean, what do you think about where the Beavers are? Are, are they a threat to take down both the Huskies and and the Ducks? Well, I will say this. Um, DJ did not look good for a stretch of a few games there. It was like, like, where is he? Yeah, had you taken out that five touchdown game, his stats were looking kind of suspect. Yeah. 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 Um, So I'll give him this. He's turned it around the last two weeks. Good for him. Shout out to him. You know, there's there's been a narrative that he looks great in fall camp and then gets into games and it's kind of bleh. Uh, um, and he's done a good job of kind of writing that ship over the last two weeks. So that is a very encouraging sign, um, for the Beavers. Just side note, by the way, what the heck has happened to Wazoo? Um, <laughs> boy, uh, <laughs> getting shellacked by Arizona at your own, in your own shellacked. stadium is, a. Uh, is is a choice. Um, Arizona's kind of sneaky, though. They are kind of sneaky, but still, it, <laughs> you know. I guess at least if you're Wazoo, you know Arizona's. At least it wasn't Delora starting, um, but because <laughs> that's their former quarterback yeah, is no, Jaden Delora. Um, so yeah, you for the for those who are not familiar, Arizona's former starting quarterback Jaden Delora went to Wazoo and then transferred to Arizona. And there's uh, there's some not, you know, fantastic blood there, I would say, um, right. without everything went down. So, um, yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, they, they look really good. I mean, they're going into this bye week six and one, and it seems like everything is firing on all cylinders. I think, um, you know, the ideal situation for everyone in this state is to have an Oregon Oregon State game where there is something on the line. And if it keeps and if 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 both of those teams are able to hang on, which that's a big statement, you know, that's a big if, but if they are, boy would that be a fun game cuz whoever wins that game is probably going to the Pac-12 championship. So, um that would be very, very fun. But who knows? We'll see what happens. We'll see how it all falls down. I, you know, right. you never, you never know. But you would hope to have a, a <clears throat> you know, that sort of situation. Um, so yeah, they look great. Um, their offense looks much improved over the last two weeks, which is exciting. Uh, they finally got. They, they, I, I, I don't know. Um, they, they finally like found their tight ends again. Um, namely one and Jack Velling. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. Uh, but anyways, um, yeah, they, they have done better the last two weeks and that is exciting to see. So we'll see if I they wonder, keep it though, up. And, yeah. I wonder if they clear these next two games at Arizona, at Colorado. I could see them dropping one. Yeah, it's possible. It's possible. It's totally possible. I, you think with how well they're playing right now that they, sh- they I mean, they'll be favored in both of those. But yeah. um, at least they aren't going to play Colorado af- after uh, <laughs> the week after they played Stanford. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's shift to that for a second. Let, let, let's shift to that for a minute. You want to talk know, about it? 
let's just talk about just because you know coming in there weren't great expectations i think the over under was three and a half wins for them then they win their first three Dion's talking a little trash his sons are talking his one son shador is flashing and watch maybe they'll stop flashing his wrist now because it's just obnoxious and then when you go out there and you fold tw- up 29 nothing it just makes it all look even dumber um but <clears throat> they lost a couple games oregon usc but that was kind of expected but still the hype train was rolling and then you just get completely humbled and embarrassed by a very mediocre stanford team at home you're up 29 0 you let one dude, one receiver, I can't remember his name, sorry, just completely embarrass you, which I thought was poetic in a way because Dion, you know, made his name as one, as arguably, well, no, not arguably, as the greatest cover corner ever. And his son is a defensive back. And he had one, the, the top recruit in the country in Travis Hunter out there. And they got roasted. But I'm looking up his name because I got, I got those from respect on his name. I forgot it the last couple of days after hearing it all, all weekend. Um, yeah. They got roasted by one dude who, for a team that was averaging under 20 points per game, like that's just embarrassing, embarrassing. on every freaking level. And not not just that you let this kid destroy you, but that you couldn't answer with more points to sort of keep them at bay. Um, Elik, Ayamanar. What a y o yeah I'm I'm I the last name is very I am Anor I am Anor how about that yeah. I am Anor whatever thirteen for two ninety four three touchdowns they passed for three ninety nine Brenna that means the rest of the team only had hundred and five yards receiving but you let this dude beat you by himself and he mossed Travis Hunter Holy and he smokes. mossed. Travis Hunter with a catch on his head. Uh, it's just, I they they just need to shut up the rest of the season. I don't want to see. I don't want. I shouldn't know what kind of watch Shador had or what kind of car he had. I shouldn't know this stuff, right? It it shouldn't be a thing. And when you get embarrassed like this, maybe it makes you humbled a little bit and you focus solely on trying to actually win football games. Floor is yours. Yeah, that, that game was absolutely bananas. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, I I can't blame anybody for, you know, I guess leaning into the hype. I, I can't blame anybody around that program for when they had a sh- ton of media. Almost said a bad word there. When they had a bunch of media. Um, when they had a bunch of media around and they were the most popular team in the entire country, I cannot blame anybody for capitalizing on that and doing everything that they did. Um, you do wonder because you know, it was a fascinating story. You do wonder how right? many interviews is too many interviews and how much, you know, at one point, how is that taking, is that taking away from, uh, your preparation, things like that. However, you know, the last two weeks, the limelight hasn't been on them as much. And look where we are. You know, we're not, we're, yeah, they, they have not performed well. So, uh, yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I don't know if the hype got to their head. I mean, 
it's just at the end of the day, it's a team that's a lot that's a that has a ton of really green guys. So it's not surprising yeah. that they got up. What it was twenty nine <laughs> to nothing, I believe, and then hit cruise control. Like that's not surprising to me at all. So, um, yeah, this is at the end of the day, that team has a lot of learning left to do. They did do some winning, but they have a lot of learning left to do, and this is a part of that. So, uh, you know, like you said, if you're gonna if you're gonna talk the talk, you got to take it as well. And to be fair, they I they take I it. Felt, yeah. they took it. They do take it. Yep, I, they don't I give them credit. They don't shy away from it. I mean, um, Junior tweeted after the game, like, I forget what exactly he tweeted, but it was something like, yeah, man, they smacked us. Like, good for them, you know? So they're they're not afraid to admit when, when things don't go right. So I do appreciate that. It's not one of those situations where you know, it drives me crazy when teams talk trash, and then when you go in the post-game press conference and you lose – you then get all defensive right. and you can't take take accountability for any of your actions, which, by the way, was another thing that I was impressed by with Dan Lanning at the end of the press conference. All right. Yeah. At the end during the press conference, he was not combative when asked about fourth down. He was very matter of fact. And like I said, he said. Or I think I said this. Um, he said, you know, we uh, looking back now on that first field goal that we did not go for um we i yeah i can see why that was now a bad decision that's basically what he said you know i can i can evaluate that that maybe that wasn't the right call so i appreciate people who are able to own it own it okay gotta own it gotta own it it. 100 so So, uh so yeah colorado has done that in, in light of yeah. everything. So you got to get their props there. My take on them is that, you know, the first two wins generated a lot of hype because TCU had gone to the national championship game. Yep. Uh, and Nebraska, Nebraska, even though they're down, they're still Nebraska and they, they whooped up on them. Colorado State brought everything down to earth. You know, and I was, I went from being hyped for that Oregon game to like, yeah, they're going to lose. Uh, and so you get smashed by Oregon. You put up points against USC, but USC does that. They clearly were superior. Then you barely beat Arizona State. And so that's sort of who you are. Like you had three or four wins were close victories. Uh, and then you got pummeled, well, your defense got pummeled by two good teams. But the Stanford loss is different because that, that just speaks to a team that just didn't have any focus, yep. didn't have any attention to detail, lost their way were not really, you know, intent on playing smart, good football. They just, oh, we're whooping up on these guys. They can't touch us. We're so special. We're Colorado primetime, blah, 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 look at my watch. And then they just got snake bit by a bad football team. It's one thing if you go, like, like let's say that was Oregon State, and they got hot, and Oregon State has some turnovers. You got 29-0 in Oregon State, right? It's still a good football team that you have to be leery of. And that's a team where you say, you know, get a couple breaks the other way because sometimes what goes one way goes the other way. And next thing you know, it's 29-20. It's a game. But this is Stanford. They can't even score 20 points per game. And you gave them 46. <laughs> you let one dude beat you. Like, it's just that speaks to culture and, and not, you know, having, having the little thing, the details in place to prevent 
anything from like that to even have remotely a chance of happening. And so that's where Dion has to corral this thing and and shift from the prime time and my son's being silly and, and all that kind of stuff to, all right, we need to buckle down because they got at UCLA, home Oregon State, home Arizona, at Washington State, at Utah. They could lose all five. Yep, easily. And even if you win one, now you only have five wins. That Stanford loss could cost them a bowl game. Unless they can somehow win two. Now, upsets happen both ways. So maybe they upset Oregon State. Maybe they pull off a win here or there that maybe they don't think they're going to. We'll see. But they better fix uh, their attitude. Get us out of control. All right. Let's just talk about the Blazers real quick. And then we're going to get to something I know you're just excited to talk about. You're just so excited to get to. When I, I didn't even have to mention it. I just said, you know, our pop culture segment, you know what I need to talk to. And Brenna's fight, face fight. Brenna's face lit up like a little kid on Christmas. Woo! She's so excited. She's like, oh, yes, we have to talk about that. I never even said what the topic was. If you've been listening to this show, you know what it is. But anyway, Blazers real quick. I know you probably didn't watch. You didn't watch them Saturday. No way. You didn't. No. Working. You watched them, though. You were there Thursday. Yep. When they played the Suns. Uh, so just give me your, you know, it doesn't have to be a deep dive impression. It's preseason, you know, but just. Just your, you know, your brief little feelings about this this uh, young little plucky Blazers team. <laughs> she made right. a man. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's just I don't I don't know if I, I I mean they're experimenting right now. They're trying to figure it out. I don't I don't know if like I can like I mean we all know what this team is. It's not going to be a team that wins a bunch of games this year. So you just come in with it with the idea of like all right, let's hope that they improve figure some things out along the way and, you know, have a little fun. Um, I, I, <laughs> we got to the Blazers and she's yawning. <laughs> I'm yawning. Um, I mean. <laughs> some people think they're going to surprise. Some people think Scoot is Derrick Rose, Sharp is Baby Jordan, uh, Kamara is Scotty Pippen all of a sudden. And, of course, Aiton, after coming to the Blazers, is going to become Patrick Ewing. Um, Robert Williams, of course, is, is Carl Malone without a jump shot. But, you know, they're going to win like 60 games. Nah, no, no one's saying that, but some people think they're I was going to say, do those people playoffs. have more than four Twitter followers? Um, <laughs> but there are some out there who believe they can, you know, surprise people, make some noise. Okay, I mean, I would love, I would love, I would love to be freezing cold. Um, that'd be great. Uh, it's way more fun covering a team that's winning than covering a team that's losing. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean. I, I don't know. It's just. You ain't buying I can tell. No, I mean, I'm not. But I mean, it's but that's that's because I don't have any reason to buy right now. You know, it's 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 one of those things where um, hmm. one of my friends in college said this to me and it always has stuck with me. He said, I live my life by the mantra cautiously optimistic. Mm hmm. And boy, that feels like the way to watch the Blazers this year. <laughs> Find the good in things, and when things go bad, guess what? It's not the end of the world. Um, so because you, had, because you had low expectations. Yep, exactly. So, I mean, I think it's fun. You know, Scoot's, Scoot's shown some flashes. Scoot's also shown that, you know, he really needs to work on, um, you know, his three ball if he's not catching and shooting it. You know, there's, 
there's some stuff, you know, we, we still haven't seen Robert Williams play with this team yet. Um, so there, there's just a few question marks here and there, but I mean, you know, it's, it feels different than, you know, last year where it was like, okay, like there's all this pressure and all this weight and trying to figure out, you know, okay, how, how do we make this all work? How does, how does Dame get his championship? You know, now it's kind of like, well, let's just take it easy. See how it goes. So I'm just, I, I guess I don't have many impressions of them right now because a it's the preseason and B, it's not a team that I feel like you can really have a good impression of until you're about 10 to 15 games in. You can kind of see, like, what's working, what's not working. And right now we're not going to find out what's working and what's not working because it's the preseason. Uh, I did appreciate, you know, on Thursday, Chauncey, um, last Thursday, Chauncey sending Scoot and Shaden back into that Phoenix game when he easily could have been like, y'all are done for the night. I thought that was great that he was like, no, 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 you guys need these reps. You're going to keep playing. You're going to keep going. Um, So I appreciated that. Um, And this will just be a year where, you know, uh, it's, you know, when there's a win, celebrate it. When there's a loss, don't, uh, don't bury yourself. So yeah, I don't know. I just, I just don't have many impressions right now because I just don't feel like there's a, a full picture currently. And plus, they started the preseason when you were in Ducks Husky Week. Yeah. <laughs> so I was surprised you were not the Thursday player game. I'm like, hey, I didn't well, know that. You, know, you, know, you came back. Good. You came back to the country. Didn't even call or text nobody. But that's okay. No, that's, yeah, I, I will say. Know. I will say it was pretty wild. Uh, for those who don't know, I was in England for like a week and a half ish. Mm-hmm. Um, it was pretty wild to be at the game on Thursday and be like. 36 hours ago, I was in England, and now I can reach out and touch Kevin Durant. That is so weird. Like, mind blown. Um, so that was something. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, I mean, that was a big game for for Nurk and for for Little, and so I was Nurk like, this is this is worth it for us to. Uh, to go to and to cover because it's it happens but it's not very often that you are 16 days out from getting traded and you go back to your home market so. <clears throat> right so real quickly and there will be a blazer focus podcast done tomorrow to review the entire preseason with craig burnback but <clears throat> all right scoop definitely good long ways away from if he can be a true number two on a championship team i'm not close to even buying he's going to be a number one on a championship team uh that's just tough to do for small guards there haven't been very many in in nba history but you know we'll see if he can develop into a number two but at the very least i love the fact that he's a pass force guy i just i love magic johnson my favorite ever so pass force pass first point guards are what i love the most over all these point guards i like to jack up all these shots no offense dame or or curry but i prefer a pass first guy definitely going to be good kids fun to watch Great passer already. Yeah. Love to watch mm-hmm. him play. Shaden, too young, still not ready. Um, not ready to start. Shouldn't be starting. They're starting the right two because at least Shaden, excuse me, at least Scoot gives you someone who's a pass first floor leader, which will play well with the rest of the players on your team who can score. Ant's going to go off. Ant's the showcase. He's the best player on this team. <clears throat> He's going to put up numbers. I'll be surprised if he doesn't average 25 or more. 
Uh, and to me, if, if Scoot and Shaden is your backcourt of the future, then you need to showcase Ant. He's probably going to move in at some point, mm-hmm. just to be fair, because you need a small forward, which brings me to my next point. You don't have a small forward on this team. Like, mm-hmm. Matisse Stiebel, yeah. God bless him, is not a starting small forward. No. He's a good defensive player. He should be a backup two, getting probably 20, 20 something minutes a game. He can hit the three, but he can't create a shot. He's 6'5, not 6'7 or 6'8, like you'd want a three to be. So that's a problem. Grant, gonna be fine, but you know, he's a power forward who doesn't rebound. He's backed up by a bunch of kids. I know everyone's excited about the young players, but Jabari Walker, Chris Murray, and, and Kamara are not going are not ready to contribute really to winning at a high level. So it's all about development with those three. But developing behind a 29-year-old guy was a huge contract. At some point, I think Grant will be moved. And then Aiden, you know, Aiden obviously has talent. We'll see if Aiden will embrace being the guy because Mm -hmm. if he doesn't blossom and become better than he was in Phoenix, then the entire package of what they got in this trade is going to crumble right before our eyes because I don't even believe Robert Williams and Malcolm Brogdon want to be here. I just don't – I don't buy for a second that those two left a contender in Boston to come play. Be back up, or they were back up. Let's see, Robert was starting. Malcolm was sixth man of the year <clears throat> for a legitimate high end title contender. And now they're going to play a backup role for Brogdon behind a 19 year old and for Williams behind Aiden, which is fair, but they're going to play a backup role on a team that has zero chance of making the postseason. So we'll see how long the good vibes last there. But I believe that both of them absolutely would want out and go somewhere and win. Once you taste winning at that level, you don't want to go backwards. Especially yeah. when you're Brogdon, who's 30. So when you just look at the entire fit of everything, it's just a joke. And I, no offense to each individual, but it, it's not. A, this isn't an NBA basketball team. I'm not going to take the Blazers seriously until I see a legitimate starting small forward who can give you 18 and seven at least, hit the three, play some defense. Until I see that, like I'm just not going to take them seriously because your backcourt's too small, and you don't have a small forward, and your power forward probably. Physically and skill set wise, is a better three than a four, but you don't have another four that's over 23 and able to play at high end. And Robert Williams can't play the four for a long length of time. And Aiden, you know, we'll see what Aiden is. To me, success this season is Scoot's development and Aiden saying, okay, I'm the guy on this team. Give me the damn ball. We're probably going to lose, but I'm going to get 25 and 12 and elevate my play and establish myself as a legitimate dominant big man. Or he goes the way of waking up one day and they're 10 and 19 and going, oh, my God, I have to go out there and play a game, a meaningless game, when I used to play with CP3, Booker, and Durant. Mm-hmm. Does, does, he, does he fade after that? I don't know. So I think it's going to be an abysmal season. But I do think, if, I do think it could be fun from an entertainment standpoint if you're pushing yeah. the pace and you got Scoot out there running and he's running and throwing alley-oops to Aiton or Grant or – Sharp or kicking it back to Sharp or Ant, and they're shooting threes, and you just go, go, go. And then, like the Utah game, they lost 138, 133. They lost. The defense was bad, as we can expect with the composition of the roster, but it wasn't boring. (laughs) It wasn't boring. So, that might be a great example of how this season could go. That's all I got to say about them. Okay, let's get to the biggest news. That's all you have to say. The biggest sports story in the world. The fact that this little-known tight end, Travis whatever his name, who plays for this okay NFL team, was just a super – didn't even spell his last name right before we were – I usually can. Yeah, I actually spelled it wrong, right? I knew – I instantly knew it was wrong, but I couldn't figure out why. He's on my fantasy team. But anyway – 
Travis Kelsey, this unknown guy, you know, and then all of a sudden he just starts dating the biggest pop star in the world right now, um, Taylor Swift, who has put him on the map and made him, made you no, know, not just made him, Brennan, made the entire NFL relevant. Because NFL was kind of fledgling. You know, it's just kind of trying to find its footing. It needed something. And it got it in Taylor Swift. So you are a Swifty through and through. What do you make of all this and, and, and what your girl is doing <laughs> for the NFL? Okay, I only make, I'm only being ridiculous because there's been so many videos that pop up on social media, especially, oh, Insta- yeah. especially Instagram, where people are playing on this idea that Taylor Swift put Kelsey on, on the map. Anyway, exactly. go ahead. Uh, I love it. <laughs> uh, if I were given the option to pay for a feed where I could have Taylor Swift and the game picture in picture, I would do it, okay? You okay. just have a camera on Taylor the entire game. She's in the like left-hand corner, okay? And I'm watching the game, and I got Tay-Tay right there so I can watch the game within the game, okay? I would, I, honestly... If I'm Amazon, like I don't know when the when the uh when the Chiefs play next on Thursday. If they do, they might not. I think they they already did play on Thursday, so maybe a miss. You know what? They did. They played on Thursday last week when I was out of the freaking country. Missed opportunity by them. I would have absolutely put. I would have put up a feed. I would have uh, you know once you knew that she was in the building. All right, guys, here we go. We're launching, and we we put all the legwork in. We kept it under wraps, whatever. We are launching a feed at kickoff, the Swift feed, okay? Like, I, do you know how many people will watch I'm horrified right now, just so you know. I don't want to watch Taylor Swift watching a football game. Because she's entertaining, and it's also entertaining to watch this all play out. Um, So... Anyways, you know, I mean, I'm not saying that that needs to be on the main broadcast, but like, you know, put a peacock feed on it. I'm not you know, Paramount Plus, like whatever you want to do, guys. Like, and I, and you know, she's gonna go back on tour soon, so I think that the uh, the window is closing, unfortunately for for that. But I'm giving you free money to these these uh, these broadcasters. This is this is a great idea. Okay, what's the, what's the worst that's gonna happen? There's no pro. That's that's a low risk, high reward idea right there that I'm just giving out for free. Okay. Um. Anyways, uh. Yes, I have no complaints about this relationship. I think it is fantastic. It is my Venn diagram. Uh. I have never felt like uh a relation a celebrity relationship has um been more intersected with my interests in my entire life. So I am invested. I am in, I have watched all the videos. I have seen all the pictures. And I mean, I I was in England looking up pictures of her at the game and video. I was like, I gotta, I gotta see what happened. I gotta know what happened. Like I'm on vacation. And I was like basically off Twitter for the entire time I was over there. And I still needed to know what happened 
when Taylor Swift showed up to the Kansas City game. So that says it all. That was like the only thing I really cared about over here the, that this entire week. I, you know, it was like I was asleep when Oregon State played. So I woke up and was like, oh, cool. They won. Awesome. You know, but when it was Taylor Swift, I was like, all right, I got to I got to look up all this stuff. So, uh, yes, uh, Brenna. Brenna, the Swifty and sports fan, uh, is feeling very, very met, uh, with this relationship. My needs are met. So, uh, I'm, 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 I'm thrilled. Uh, how much, how much, how, how much do you hate this? Wow. Just wow. Okay. The, first of all, the most I, I have come alive during this podcast you were waiting for this the entire time. I've, I've, I've been loading the clip. Ducks, know. Huskies, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> uh, okay, I don't hate it. I find it, uh, you know, entertaining in, in a way because it's ridiculous on a lot of different levels. Um, but, you know, it's the NFL. The NFL is entertainment, and merging Taylor Swift with the NFL is – not completely uninteresting. <laughs> uh, I don't get, you know, as I don't get giddy when I see her. Um, but I, I was trying to think, like, what would be the equivalent of this, and I just can't really picture, especially in this age, in this day and age, when stars like her are so accessible. Like, you can spend all day watching videos of her doing whatever. In so many different platforms, her own, you know, her own social media accounts, they post a lot of stuff there. So it's not like she's this mystery person you only see every once in a while and unless they're in concert, which was sort of the case with Michael Jackson in the 80s. He, he wasn't very visible because you didn't have 24 7 social media or, or stations that would show him and he was kind of like hiding out anyway until he would perform somewhere. So seeing him somewhere was like, oh my God, he's going to be at the award show. He's going to be at this. I was like, oh, it's Michael Jackson. Whereas with Taylor, it's like you're seeing Taylor all over the place. So who cares if they show a glimpse of her in a press box? Like, I just don't know if I understand that. But uh, for whatever reason, people find this fascinating and entertaining. So my last question for you, really, Brenda, is how long is this going to last? Is this a relationship that lasts? or? I wanted to say one thing um, before I get to that. Um, There are very few things in the world now that are a part of the monoculture. Taylor Swift and the NFL are a part of the monoculture. You know, it's it's hard in this internet era for, you know, somebody to break through and really, you know, be what those two entities are. I mean, I would not... Travis Kelsey is not a part of the monoculture, but the NFL is. Correct. So this is like one of those moments that just doesn't happen that often <clears throat> in in our, you know, 24-7 digital era... Uh, that we are in now is that there's just not many things where it's like, oh, this person or thing is ubiquitous and always around and people kind of always have background knowledge of what's going on. And, you know, not everybody knows everything about the NFL. Not everybody knows everything about Taylor Swift. But, like, those are two things that are vastly popular. And are, by the way, climbing in their popularity, which is something that also doesn't really happen that often either. Now, most things go down in their popularity because there's so many things people can look at and watch and do it. 
those two things are on a constant. We are going up the graph, okay? So that's one of the reasons why this is such a big deal is that it's just it's just not something that we really see that often anymore. Um, in terms of this relationship, okay, let me I got I gotta look up her touring schedule, okay? This is she's this, about to go overseas, right? Or is she already? Yes. Um, I mean, well, she was in New York this weekend, let me tell you that. Um because I saw all the pictures of her and Travis Kelsey together. Um Okay. Let's see here. Um no, I don't want US tour dates. I want okay, I want international dates. Oh, events international. Here we go. All right. Uh, November 9th, she is in Argentina. Uh, November 17th, she is in Brazil. She's there for a while. Holy smoke, she's in Brazil forever. Oh, and then she doesn't have anything until February 7th. Okay. I mean, she's gone for basically the month of November. But... Is that Super Bowl weekend? I don't know. She, she's not going to miss a Super Bowl, is she? Uh, well, her last, <laughs> February 10th is her last date in Tokyo. So, and that's a Saturday. So, plausibly, it's plausible. That would, that would be, a, that would take a Herculean effort. Um, but yeah, anyways, she's, uh, I, you know. I'm feeling good about this through the holidays. <laughs> We're in cuffing season, ladies and gentlemen. Okay? Cuffing season. <laughs> we are in cuffing season. Um, so, yeah. For those I'm who don't know what that about means, this. I'm going like, like locking up your, your girlfriend, boyfriend. Yes. Sorry. I'm a millennial, so that's just like, you know, I just know I, that. Hey, so I didn't I'm know sorry. what it meant until Beyonce's song Cuff It came out. I'm like, what the hell does this mean? <laughs> so I looked it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, what does that mean? Yeah, I'm going. I'm going mid January. I like mid January. Mid January, okay. So no yeah. marriage here. No, probably not. Tra Travis Kelsey is not the type of guy tradi uh, traditionally that Taylor Swift has gone for, to say the least. Mm. Like, he is totally different than any of her other ex boyfriends. I mean, oh. I don't. She's almost solely dated musicians. In mm. fact, I cannot remember somebody. Well, I guess you might be able to call Joe Allen a musician because he did write a few songs with her. But, you know, he's she's traditionally dated guys in, you know, the Hollywood slash, you know, music scene, you know, actors or musicians. I don't remember her ever dating an athlete. So this is totally, totally different for her. Um, but I'm enjoying the heel turn. So, you know, I, I guess that implies that there's some sort of, you know, uh, like, like she's doing something evil or something like that. But I'm just enjoying, I'm, I'm enjoying the breath of fresh air that this is. So I will let it wash over me until it goes. And then, you know, we'll, we'll be good. But yeah, I, I, I think, I think mid January is. It's fine. I think I think I think they 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 keep this locked down for the month of November while she's gone. They get through the holidays and then maybe it's like, oh, yeah, I gotta go to Tokyo and then Australia and then uh, 
and then Singapore, uh, and then France. Let's see, is there, there is there is two months off in between Singapore and France, but you know, that's that's a lot. That's a lot for that that month long stretch right there. So, and you're not you're not. You know, it's different when you're over in Asia and things like that in Australia than being in Brazil or Argentina. So, yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. Well, I guess you, we'll do. Do you have any this. predictions? I have zero clue. Okay. Sounds good. Zero clue. I, 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 I'll try and develop a clue, maybe, if, if I can find the energy to carry right now. But uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not against your prediction. I think it's probably sound. But you know, I'm calling for them. I just, you know, I just wonder if the world's gonna pull them apart, you know, and just make it too unbearable for them. There's to a lot of attention. Together. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Anyway, all right. Well, I look forward to the show after they've broken up and you're weeping. Um, anyway, will not be weeping. <laughs> you will not be weeping. All right. Woo, we went 107. Good job, Brenna. Wow, we did it. Lots of cover there. Uh, thanks for listening to the Oregonian Sports Podcast. I'm Aaron Fentress. She's Brenda Green. And we got uh, one more Blazer game tonight. Regular season starts the 25th at the LA Clippers. Ducks host the Cougars this week. And the Beavers have who again? They're at Arizona. They're on a bye. Oh, they're on a bye. And then at Arizona at Colorado. Yeah. Correct? Okay. Correct. All right. Well, we'll be back uh, shortly to talk about uh, the Blazers a little bit more as they get ready for this regular season. I've been on the countdown already after tonight. It'll be four down, 82 to go. And uh, it's going to be a long one. I'm already foreseeing it's going to be forecasting. It's going to be a long season. But I'm going to find energy in watching my boy Ant light it up and watching the development of Scoot and Shaden and uh, trying to project what the future might look like for this young Blazers team. Anyway, thanks for listening. Click the uh, subscription button and leave a positive rating we'd appreciate that and we will catch you later because the haters gonna hate 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 hate